Twice a week, Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay dissect the biggest topics in Black culture, politics, and sports on their show, Higher Learning. They discuss the most important and timely conversations while also frequently inviting guests on the podcast and occasionally debating each other. Check out Higher Learning on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on Cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today is a special episode because, honestly, I have one of the dopest, most talented, influential people of our generation. I grew up watching this man, Cedric the Entertainer, on BT late nights, right before I used to uh, act like I was going to bed and then coming down and watching BT Uncut. Yeah, I want you to know that was my favorite show. But Cedric the Entertainer, what's happening, man? How you feeling? What's up, my brother? How you doing, man? Pleasure, pleasure to be here, man. Man, this, 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 uh, COVID got me thrown off because I wish we were in person together. Indeed, man. I mean, it is it's the kind of thing that in the last few years that, uh, you know, dealing with that, it, it has been a trip, man, because you definitely one of my favorite people been loving your work on there, man. And of course, you know, that vibe would be amazing just if we could just be in the same room and then, you know, Crack open a bottle, crack, crack exactly. open a bottle. And <laughs> exactly. Then hang out to us, do the business and then hang out. That's what's up. So look, look, we we start each one of our episodes the same way, which is we we usually have our guests walk us through the arc of their career. But people know you, so I'm gonna tweak that question a bit. What came first for you between comedy and acting? Because I feel like for many of us, we see you as much of an actor as comedian. But for me, particularly, it was comic view that got you started. So what yeah. came first for you between comedy and acting? And what point in your life did you realize that you could do both and do both well? You know, it's kind of interesting. I mean, in, in a real way, acting was the first thing I did uh, in, you know, in high school and college. I, I minored in theater. So I acted on stage. Uh, but I was always a comedian. Like, you know, the you know, when we go up the lunchroom, dude, you go down and they like, ah, we want to do the dozens. We want to we call it Joning, Joning in St. That's Louis. Right. Like, That's what we call it. We call it John. Yeah, we join yeah. each other. That's what we call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like so, yeah. So we, you know, it was that old thing where, you know, uh, that was always, I was always my friend's go-to dude. Like whenever they getting lapped back in the corner, like, oh, we're gonna wait to see it come here. I bet y'all won't be doing that then. <laughs> so, you know, so 
you know, really stand up was a thing that I found, you know, in the late 80s. Uh, that was that thing that was starting. It was starting to be emergence of, you know, black comics really popping off. People starting to, you know, catch their stride other than the superstars, you know, because we had, you know, Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy and, you know, even the early parts of uh, the Wayans and stuff. But then, you know, Martin and, 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 and Chris Rocks and people like that started to come into uh, the atmosphere. And they felt like my they felt like my peer group. So I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. I can do this now. I mean, your, your peer group is legendary because when you think about yeah. it across generations, you have you have Red Fox, right? And you got yeah. some of the white bo- some of the white boys who were dope, like George yeah. Carlin, for Carlin, example. Yeah. And then you you come into another another generation where you have Richard Pryor. But for your talk about how deep the, the, your group is. I mean, y'all got the uh, class of like '96, the '96 draft class. It's like yeah, the best class of comics ever. Exactly, and I mean, because we're still around. You talking about? You know, me, Jamie Foxx, Steve Harvey, D.L. Hewley, uh, Chris Tucker, Chris Rock. Uh, uh, Chappelle. Chappelle. There's uh, so many that come from out of that that group of comics that, you know, all still legendary, all still outworking, uh, you know, still got big brands doing things individually. So, uh, you know, of course, the, the late, great Bernie Mac, you know, again, oh, man. He was, yeah, with all due respect, he was better than all y'all. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you still do stand up? Do you still do stand up? I do. I do, man. I still stay, you know, I stay, stay ready. So I ain't got to get ready. Uh, but, you know, I sprinkle it. And now, of course, I, you know, I do a lot of television producing, you know, my own show. So, but I do, I, I'm going to go out, do a big run during the holidays coming up. So I'll start preparing to do that. I'll do some small club work just to get ready, you know, with a set and then uh, go out and hit the stages. And I usually make a, you know, you know, we got Chicago, D.C., Atlanta, you know, all those kind of big joints all on that holiday run. I like to do right after Christmas. We go pretty hard. That's what's up. So last year I had Steve Harvey on the show. And it's one of my goals to have each one of the living kings of comedy on the show at some point. So right now I'm only missing D.L., but we're 21 years out from Kings of Comedy. And if I'm not mistaken, it's still the highest grossing comedy tour ever. Looking back at it, did you feel at the time it would be as as iconic as it's become? You know, I mean, not at the moment. I mean, it was one of those things that definitely felt special when we were doing it. You know, we I saw a poster. It was weird the other day that we started in 98. And it was just uh, Steve Bernie and myself. And it's hard to think back like that was wow. Like that was 98. And, and and then, you know, we didn't shoot the movie to 2001, I think. So somewhere in there, right? Yeah, uh, 2001. So we we toured this thing and went around the world. And of course, you saw it getting bigger. Like it just got bigger and bigger each year. We went from, you know, doing, you know, the Fox Theater to coming back and doing Phillips Arena. So wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. So I thought they all put you all together for this special gearing up, but you all did this for years to come. Like y'all were, this was just a tour you were on and somebody said, and Spike Lee said, let's film these Wildcats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we picked Spike Lee too. Let that be. Now that ain't, now that ain't what Spike said. Cause you know, know, Spike, Spike of Morehouse, man, Spike said he picked y'all. That's what Spike said. We we, we went and found him. He was just running around Brooklyn without nothing to do. We went and found Spike. Yeah, no, but, uh, but no, we have been touring. Yeah, we have, we've been touring this for about four years, man. One of the highest grossing arena comedy tours, I mean, of tours 
And, you know, it was, it was definitely the movie. We did the movie because we actually weren't getting recognition for being like that one of the highest grossing live events happening. No press. Nobody was talking about us. We was like behind the Rolling Stones and Janet Jackson. And it was us like making this money. And we couldn't get nobody to talk about our tour. We selling out arenas. It was wild. Like, so. Let me um, ask you this, though. Why, why, I mean, like. Y'all can run it back. I mean, y'all got y'all got issues like LSG, not LSG. What's the what's the group with Tank and <laughs> Tank and uh, uh, all the boys that take their shirt off? Tank and, and Genuine. And, oh uh, yeah, 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 y'all, uh, yeah. T S <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever they call, but yeah, TGT or whatever it's called. Yeah, but TGT. Th- y'all, can y'all run it back or it's not? And, and talk about talk about the living the the legend Bernie Mac. I mean, we mentioned him earlier. I said he was better than all y'all. I still kind of stand by that. But what was yeah, it like man. being on the road with Bernie Mac? And what made him such a unique talent? And could y'all add Chris Rock or anybody to go out and do it again? I mean, you know, we've been talking about it. You know, it was one of these things. I actually been talking to Steve about it, and it, it's it's come up several times throughout. Steve got Steve got six hundred. Steve got six hundred jobs though. That's and that's the problem. We're trying to figure out <laughs> how to be six hundred one and where we can be six hundred one. Like exactly what two months do we get to be six hundred one on your job list? <laughs> and then you know, and then you know, and then he be balling too. Like now you know, Steve be balling out. So then like. Like, do we have to go to Paris to do these shows? It's like, like you, you stunting on him, dog. He got he so, gonna take all y'all money in wardrobe, man. Have you seen his wardrobe over in Paris? Dude, it's always been like that. Of course, it's elevated now that he's been. But even back when you know when it was the fashion of those days, Steve was always this dude that like had a bunch of suits and he just was like in shoes. He just loved clothes like that. So. You know, we all try to keep up, but you know, like at some point in time, you just gotta bow out and be like, all right, man, I ain't gonna have a purple and a yellow top coat. <laughs> I'm gonna pick a color. I'm not so, doing the purple, yellow, then the brown, and then the black top coat of, the, of my suit. That's too many. <laughs> well, so so tell me about Bernie. Being on the road with Bernie Mac, what was that like? Yeah, B Mac again, man, of course he's you know, just legendary in his own way. What was really what I felt special about Bernie was he truly just kind of did things in his own lane. He was actually, you know, like a, like an OG, the way he act and operated. He didn't, he didn't party. He didn't go out and hang with us. He just, you know, Bernie, Bernie Mac didn't go to Bernie Mac didn't go to the club. Bernie Mac, man, he, he, he want a cigar and he want to go to the bar at the hotel and post up and chill quietly Without no no fanfare, man. That's him. He wouldn't he wouldn't go out and hang. So I just remember one of my best memories was he walked in my dressing room. I used to I was the complete opposite. I'm I'm party animal. We turned up. You know, you my room going down. I got it all happening. We got dice games going. We doing music. It's crazy. So, but Bernie came in my room one night in Oakland and did a set for the whole all the people that was in the room. Just did a did this whole set, killed it. Turned around and walked out. I'm up, this motherfucker. Just turned around and walked out. And that was it, man. And it was like when everybody just started clapping. It's one of my favorite memories of Bernie Mac, man. He was that kind of dude. Man, that's crazy, man. I, I can imagine traveling with y'all, man. I just, all of y'all. I mean, I can't, I, I want to have a set where y'all just start joning each other. I mean, that that is, that that's probably legendary. They probably had you in there crying those set. I don't, I don't know. No, nah, man. You know, I'm the coldest, man. I'm the sneaking town. I'm the one. I'm Napalm. I be on there and everybody, everybody don't be thinking it's me. I'll be like, it's me, dog. I'm the one. I'm telling you. They don't want that smoke. 
Let's shift gears to the neighborhood. Season four is airing now. We're hoping for a season five. For folks who haven't watched The Neighborhood yet, go watch it. But what's it about? And why did you think, or why do you think it lasted for four seasons on CBS? That's such a big deal. How have you made it so far? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's the kind of thing where, you know, this show was about gentrification in so many ways. A white family moving into a predominantly black neighborhood. And the ideology that, you know, that the people who live there already aren't necessarily of family or, you know, our neighborhood. And so what we wanted to do was show that, you know, one, we're not a monolith, but this guy is a patriarch uh, to his community. And then so the people that move in, they learn a lot about black folks and we learn a lot about them by being a part of this community. And, and it, we felt the timing was right, but I got a dynamic cast. We got great writers. And so we were able to tell some stories that I feel um, you know, spread across television. We can be we can be very black at times, and then we also have the ability to tell stories. Uh, again, we you know we 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 hit up on the Black Lives Matter thing. We hit up on you know uh, colonoscopies because my character is a little older than the younger white couple. So we talk about things that really affect people and put it in this community kind of environment where it's like people talking. And this is how we end up uh, having really cool uh, episodes. So. Really, really happy that, uh, that the show is successful and doing great for the network. Uh, really just leading for led to a lot of other great opportunities uh, for me with these guys here at uh, CBS and Viacom. Do you uh, do you prefer sitcoms over movies? And for people who may not fully appreciate the difference, talk about the difference in the grind as an actor for having to produce as a sitcom lead versus having a role in a movie. Yeah, you know, the thing about it for me, I actually made a choice, uh, you know, a few years back. My kids are they're, they're older now. Like my son just turned 21, my daughter's 17. But I had a you know striving movie career. Uh, but movies often, because of the budgets, would send you out of the town and even out of the country for long periods of time. So I would shoot movies in Ireland and Canada and you know and and uh, Yugoslavia, Prague, those kind of places. And, you know, when my kids were a certain age, they can come. But then they started to get to an age where they couldn't come. And you find yourself being gone. They didn't didn't want to come either. They got got stuff to do. Yeah, exactly. That's what (laughs) happens. And so you realize you kind of like miss out on their lives. And so I chose television because, one, it gave me a regular schedule and, of course, put me in Los Angeles. Uh, so I was able to build from the soul man to now the neighborhood. I was able to just build a nice, steady TV career where I had an opportunity to be at home, be with my kids, watch them, raise them, be a part of their lives. And, and you know, what I do is multicam sitcoms is the easiest job in Hollywood, if you will. Like, I mean, other than producing it and, and trying to make sure the shows are dope, my hours are, are amazing. Like, I, I come to work on Wednesdays at at 10, I'm off by one. On Thursdays, I come to work at nine. I'm off by three. On Fridays, I come to work at seven and I'm off by one. So, you know, and then my longest days or the days I shoot the show is at, on, on Mondays and Tuesdays. So, I mean, you know, I, you know, who can ask for better? But doing a movie is, you know, it's, it's, it's you getting down, man, because you you got to wait for the light. And the sun's got to be right and everything's got to be in the right place for you to shoot your shot. And so you can spend 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 hours on a on a movie set just to shoot one thing. So 
Uh, it is a different kind of grind, uh, but people who do it well, of course, we love them. And, you know, I love a great movie star and, you know, definitely want to build my movie career back up as I as my now that my kids have gotten older. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Whether you're making a delicious family meal or a post-workout snack, choose the farm-fresh taste of Eggland's best eggs. Only Eggland's best hens are fed their proprietary all-vegetarian feed. That's what makes their eggs more nutritious. With 10 times more vitamin E, 25% less saturated fat, and 6 times more vitamin D compared to ordinary eggs. Eggland's best. Better taste, better nutrition, better eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com to learn more. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. You know, one of the things and one of the keys to your success, I do believe, is to Sheena Arnold. Um, oh, yeah, man. I've had great TV wives, man. But let me tell you, she, she don't. But she don't get the she doesn't get the flowers that she deserves because she's given us iconic roles in Martin. Everybody loves Chris. Yeah. And Survivor's Remorse, which is a really good show that folks slept on. Yeah. What's the experience like sharing the stage with a peer like her who has been doing the work so good for so long? You know, I mean, it's one of the things that you find confidence in, like whenever you, you know, when you're on set and you know that that other actor in a way got your back. Right. You know that they're going to come in and deliver and bring something, make help you lift up. And she's just so talented on many levels. You know, she's also, you know, a really intuitive producer, if you will. She doesn't produce on this show, but because she she sees things in a, you know, in a, in a very specific way. She's also very helpful in that manner. Of course, can sing, uh, you know, willing to, willing to try things and, you know, also a very versatile actress. She can, yes. she can go from, you know, hardcore comedy to really laying down a dramatic scene that's going to, you know, bring a tear to your eye. So uh, that's, what's really great about her. And then her spirit is that, you know, she is, the person, I guess, from working with these big personalities, Martin and, you know, and, 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 you? and me. But, you know, the idea that she knows how to, like, you know, you know, play a role like she can, you know, she she can do it all. She don't have to she don't necessarily have to always be shining. And, you know, and I, I'm and I'm that way, too, even though I'm the front man, I'm definitely more like LeBron. I'm quickly 
I'm quickly to throw a bounce pass and a oop to somebody else just as well. Fair enough. I appreciate that. How, how can folks watch The Neighborhood? Because I, I watch it. My family watch it. But tell the folks how they can watch The Neighborhood. Yeah, man. You watch The Neighborhood on CBS Monday nights, 8 o'clock. And uh, also on CBS All Access. Uh, there's That's where it's going down, man. It's, uh, it's a hot show Monday nights. We we got new episodes coming on. Uh, so and people people been digging it. So please tune in. So look, I, before before we get out of here, I gotta I gotta ask you about a couple more things. And I, I know you it's I people don't know they they gonna hear this at about six a.m. when it go up, whatever day it go up. But we it's near happy hour where I am, so I'm a, oh. I gotta you know I gotta get focused. Uh, but before before we get you out of here, I feel like we have to talk about censorship and your general view of it. Yeah. Do you feel like certain? And I mean, just in light of what happened with the Chappelle show, do you feel like certain groups and topics are now off limits? Or do you think that if you're a good comic, you know how to make light of just about any subject without offending a particular community? Or is good comedy occasionally offensive and controversial and we should all just deal with it? So how do you approach it? Yeah, I, I do think that. I think that, you know, again, good comedy is is can often sometimes be offensive. Not and not that it, that's the intention. Uh, but I do think that we live in a world where, you know, there are hard lines drawn in the sand. People do have their soapboxes and not necessarily even soapboxes. They have their real reason why they are uh, truly offended by something. And that's their point of view. But I do think that as comedians, we are orators and we are the kind of uh, people that shine a light on society. I'm one, you know, again, uh, one to be sensitive to all, you know, all kinds of people's personalities and ethnicities and groups. Uh, but I think a comedian just got to be able to say it. I used to do that with my mom. I told my mom early on, she was a school teacher and she used to didn't want me. She didn't want me to curse at all. And this was when just saying a curse word could be over the top. You know, yeah, the Bill, Bill, Co- Bill Cosby wrote you off then if you were cursing. Oh, back right. then. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it was a whole like religious right that was totally not like these right uh, conservative. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, but, but they were our grandmas. That's who they were. Yeah, <laughs> they was really about that religion. And they thought that people who said. Uh, foul language and use bad words truly just didn't try hard enough. Right. Uh, but I was telling my, you know, I remember telling my mom, I said, mom, if I gotta say it for the joke, if it makes sense to me for the joke, then I'm going to say it. I'm not worried about like who it offends because what I'm saying needs to be said this way. And so I think that that's, you know, what people have to kind of give ground to, to the comedian. And, uh, and when you inflame it and put the light on it, I believe that's where the the true exposure comes and not saying that people not not supposed to stand up for themselves. But, you know, you know, you can you you can shine too much light on something and then that's why everybody know about it. But you also ain't going to fuck your money up either. You were smart enough not to do that, which. Yeah, no, for sure. (laughs) I appreciate that. You know, I think about I think back to the to the 90s comic view, 80s, 90s, 2000 comic views, the comedy that you did then. I feel like in 2021. Some of our most beloved comics, like a Bernie Mac, would probably be tarred and feathered. I, one of the one of the skits, him downstairs, is what? funny as hell, right? Do oh, you think about that God. at all? And it, it is comedy harder now, given all the trip wires out there. Yeah, I, I I mean, it definitely is one where, again, you know, when you're writing a joke or about to do a joke, you don't do it with the freedom of knowing, like, yo, I can just say what I'm thinking. I definitely have to decide if I'm going to temper this line and and then and then decide what I'm going to do. If I feel like I got to say it and I really love this joke, 
how can I try to phrase it in a way that's less offensive? And so, yeah, it changes, it changes your brand altogether. And I mean, those people who try to run past it, who think that they can run past it, you know, even someone like Chappelle who thinks like, yo, it's funny and it's brilliant. And, you know, I'm just going to run past it. You're going to have, again, a group of people that's going to push, push back and push back hard. And you got to be ready to uh, stand on that, which is what I love about Chappelle the most is that, you know, his, his, his brand and sense of comedy, in my opinion, is not malicious. It's, it's him with a point of view and he's not being malice. He's, he's just saying what he, what he needs to say yet. He does that with the degree of confidence that he can have that conversation with those exact transgenders or people that disagree with him while they're in the room, which he does. And so I don't know why. But he's also he's also yeah. Chappelle, Chappelle and Cedric Entertainer, like a lot of things are also too big to cancel. So you walk in yeah. knowing that, you know, that you, you have that type of credibility when it comes to young comics. How much yeah. has the game changed? Uh, with Instagram and YouTube and with so many content providers out there and so much demand for content, do you think it's easier now for comics to break through than it was when you started? Well, I think it's hard. I think, I mean, comics can break through and find a a personal audience uh, a lot sooner, which is great, man. I think that, you know, I I love a lot of these guys, you know, Ha Ha Davis and John Jones and, and, you know, Dez, you know, these 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 young guys are funny and they fun to watch every day with their what they post, you know, pretty V. Like a lot of them yeah. they post. Really I like I like eighty five them eighty five South Boys. Oh, oh they're my guys. All oh, them <laughs> all but them they they real go getters though. Like, you know, I mean they they definitely are, you know, from that. No, young if they generation. weren't if they weren't doing com- yeah, comedy, like, they'd be in your house. They they yeah, would them be dudes all, them dudes <laughs> is all stage hitters though. They they <laughs> those dudes is real though. So like and but that's what I like. That's what I like about you know, that they're able to control, you know, their brand, their money making, their dough without necessarily being beholden to the business. What what we are trying to do is really help is transition a lot of these guys from just being on their phone platform to being considered into uh, these worlds. And that's really been the hardest part. The country wanes and these guys that are really great. But how do you get them and get Hollywood to get behind them in a way that allows them to be themselves without having to convert to the industry, which is what the industry is used to. Last question for you. I ask this to everyone who comes on, who has this comedic background. I just had Roy Wood Jr. on the show and he asked for an extra slot. So I'll give you an extra slot. I was like, you acting like Donald Trump here. You got to, you go put yourself (laughs) up there. But who is, who is your Mount Rushmore of comedy? And you oh. can add an extra one since since Roy had to add an extra one. You can add oh, an extra one too. Man. Oh man! All right, man. That's 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 a legendary question right there, man. That's right. That's uh, right. So I mean, I'm gonna have to go Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy. I'm gonna throw George Carlin on mine. I think he threw that, that, that George Carlin. I don't know what he got on Black folk, but he yeah, can talk he, to anybody. He on everybody's list. Yeah, he's just a really clever, clever writer, man. Chappelle. It's just hard to argue, even though he's in my my class group. That's four. So you got one more. You got one more. Up there. And then, you know, then, you know, then it gets all like, yeah, you know, you got, you know, I'm going to put myself up there, man. I'm I'm on the mount. You deserve it. Let me ask you this. Tell me, tell me, the only thing that I'll push back on is, does Sinbad belong on your mountain or not? 
for me, not. I mean, he's definitely a guy that's, you know, in, in the rocks. You know, he's he's around nice. there. yeah, he, they, he chis- the they thought they thought about chiseling yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, definitely, you know, bad is one of these guys that, you know, I think that we got introduced to him and. You know, he again, he was somebody that did it in a clean format with a with a with a smile on his face, brought you a different kind of joy. So, you know, I, you know, I feel like that's the way we kind of accept this comedy and don't see as the kind of comedy that moved us somehow. You know, I feel you. My brother Cedric the Entertainer, man, it's been a pleasure to spend a few minutes with you. I do yeah, promise man. you next time I, I drink tequila now, not as much brown liquor. My wife yeah, is, is thankful well, for that. <laughs> so I will be in touch with you when we're in the same city, man. I look forward to you. God bless you and your family, man. I hope all is well. All right. Card me up, man. Appreciate you, man. I'll Peace. Holla. I'll holla. <laughs>